0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond.
1: And I'm Rachel Burford.
0: And on today's show, we have two great guests. We hear from Beth Blacklock, the DMP Durham Sharks player, us about life down at the bottom of the Alliance Premier 15s and the struggles and strains that uh, they're having. We've also got Alicia Washington on the pod, the US Eagle, to tell us about what's going on over there, plus the foundation she's had to set up. Just to support the international players, it's quite an inspiring story. Anyway, Berth, we've got fans back, community rugby's back, Christmas is on its way. You must be more Christmassy this week.
1: I am actually a little hey! bit. Well, I say the debts. So I got the tree up. Um, yeah, no, it is. It does feel like a good feeling in the air, doesn't it? With community rugby back at the weekend. Um, obviously, you're seeing fans back at some stadiums in all sports, and um, yeah, it feels like we're the end of the road is is slowly coming.
0: Yeah did you did you get to any amateur clubs over the weekend?
1: No, I didn't because Rolo decided to ruin the weekend by running her face into a metal fence. So I had to nurse her all day and spend time down at the emergency vet.
0: Emergency vet, that just uh, springs pound signs right there. Is she okay?
1: Yeah. Yeah, she's fine. She's just, she's an absolute wet lettuce. So anything like this just scares the hell out of her. Um, so she's just super needy. But no, she's all good. Uh, one more check-up tomorrow at the vets. Yay, fair visit, more money. Suggest um, just change, she doesn't need surgery, but all good. good
0: and good.
1: how was you? How's your coping going with the under? Twelves. Twelves. Big dog.
0: Yeah, the big, uh, big, big boys. Yeah, it uh, it, it was fabulous. Do you know what? They big and small, and at that age, there is a there is a big old range. But when we went to, uh, we tried to I uh, tried to grade the the session to get more used to the contact because you know they haven't done it since March, so we couldn't just fly straight in. So uh, tried to be quite sensible about it, but had a ten minute uh, game of contact at the end, and oh my goodness gracious me! Yeah, there was some some boys in there who had missed contact quite clearly, and it was like they were folding away deck chairs for ten minutes. It was extraordinary, but yeah, the the, the main thing, as as ever, was just massive, massive smiles on faces. Um, so no, it was, it was great looking over the pictures and hundreds of kids out there smiling and playing rugger. So uh, it was awesome. Yeah, we were really, really good on the pod. Then let's get straight to it. Let's get to Alicia Washington from the US of the A. All the way from the other side of the pond, country where plenty's been going on in the last uh, last few months, years. Um, Alicia Washington, US Eagle International. Thank you so much for for joining us on the on the women's rugby pod. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Thank you so
2: much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you
0: too. Great stuff. I, 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 intre- intrepidly, I, I ask, how are things?
2: <laughs> um... <laughs> Speaking on behalf of myself, things are Yeah, yeah, are great. let's
0: go there. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah. <laughs>
2: uh I can't speak on behalf of my country, but uh, me personally, things are great. I'm actually currently in Hawaii, so honestly, just living in paradise for the week. Um, so I'm across two ponds, so the full Atlantic and like half the Pacific, so it's pretty far away.
0: A short triple jump away. Um, yeah. Brittany, what what are you you doing over there?
2: My one of my best friends started working with the Navy, and so she moved out a few months ago. And you know, everything's remote. I'm like, well, there's internet here, so why not (laughs) spend some time just in the sun at the beach on my laptop and having a great time.
1: Sounds the dream. It's like two (laughs) (laughs) different (laughs) places. Heating on, wrapped up.
2: T- <laughs> you're like, "Yeah, it's funny, Who
1: are you? Things are great. What are you on about?"
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I do have to admit, I will be returning home to Connecticut on Friday, so it's it's short lived, and we're already in a few inches of snow, so right. I'm gonna enjoy it while, while I'm here.
0: Going to be Money a big jump. Yes. S- <laughs> you say you are working remotely there. What um what, what is the what is the day job? What what keeps you out of trouble on a on a Monday to Friday?
2: Oh, out of trouble. I love I love that. Um, so uh, a few different things. So I, my uh, main nine to five, I work at a university um, and I work in their recreation department. So I hang out with college university students all day. Um, they, you know, do what they can to keep me young. Um, and then I also started working um, for remotely for a fitness wearable company called Loop. And, you know, both jobs are absolutely incredible and so supportive of like, Everything I have going on in the rugby world, so I just feel you know super blessed, super privileged to be a part of both of them.
1: Do so you want to sponsor a pod?
2: <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> well, I'll, I can ask. We, I'm not sure about the answer, but I can ask.
0: We we can read them and just talk English with our English accents down the phone to them for a couple of hours a week.
2: No I know. I feel like Americans are so inclined to just like like whatever you guys say in your in your accents. I'm just like yes, just. Yes, I'll take it. I'll drink it up. Give it to me in a cup of tea, and I'm happy.
0: <laughs> so we can say anything in this pod; that'll be fine. It'll just be uh, believed over in the states. That's great. That's good. Good to know. We don't get our, our facts right.
2: Yeah, we're a pretty gullible bunch. Have you not been watching the news?
0: Like we'll, we'll follow whatever. Yeah, gullible is one word. Absolutely. Just, <laughs> just gonna say, um, just for our English listeners, because yeah, a, a lot of. Um, we have a lot of UK-based based listeners here of the, the WRP. Obviously, Rob Kane uh, came over from uh, after winning two Premiership titles um, against Harlequins in the finals. You, you, you
1: don't need to say that. You could have just said he's coming
0: oh, from Sarah's. Oh, sorry. No, just did It's best just to inform the, inform the listeners, isn't it? Just to let them know. Um, and uh, <laughs> he's taken a position over in, over in the states there how how's Rob been has he got his feet fir- firmly out of the desk now
2: yeah I think I mean, he's back in the UK so he's you know okay. you've got him back there for a little bit for the holidays um but it's been absolutely incredible um he came in and you know it's always an adjustment with a new coach and a new setup new systems and whatnot but the amount of time like Genuine time that he has dedicated to improving our skills is incredible. And you know, I'm not just blowing smoke because I want a starting spot. Obviously, that's always the goal. But he has, he's, he's talked to me so straight. He's been like, okay, Alicia, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And then once you do that, then we can progress to, you know, whatever's next. But it's so refreshing to have a coach that's honest with me and very forthcoming and not in a way that I'm always happy to hear what he has to say. Sometimes it's like, you know, you, you need to, you need to get better. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's, I do need to get better. You're right. So, and I think again, having uh, someone that's like that and can just communicate with like so many different personalities within the squad, like it's been a real dream to have him as a coach.
0: Yeah. My, 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 my experiences with him, just just talking to him as a, as a commentator and researching his team and you obviously look at these people very closely but not not a usual rugby communicator in the way that he he gets his messaging across but incredibly effective really softly spoken very empathetic almost sort of sponge-like if you know what i mean He's just just absorbs it and just gives the message really cool and calmly been very very impressed with him and obviously his results speak for himself and what you're saying there as well. What, what were the key things he, he needed to do that, that you've seen he's sort he's of targeted in the first 12, 16 months?
2: I think a big thing for every coach is to create player buy-in um, and just get everyone on the same page, which he did. Like if I call him any time of day or night, he'll answer, you know? And if he doesn't answer, that means he's probably on the phone with another player answering their questions. So just the buy-in he's created from that. And a lot of coaches want to give you all the answers, whereas Rob finds it so much more powerful if you find the answers yourself, which can can honestly be kind of frustrating at first because you're just like, just give me the answer. Like, as American players, we are so we will follow what you tell us to do, but then I think that has also held us back because the coach isn't on the field with us. So a lot of the time, we have to find our own answers, get our own solutions, and that is what he's working with us to do. So. Um, yeah, I think just making sure that the players know that he's always a resource in a way that we've never had before. Because we've never had this. Rob is our first full-time national team coach, which is kind of insane in itself. But um, having someone that's always available to us has been an absolute, you know, incredible godsend for the team.
1: And how how did you find watching the uh, results for the World Cup pool a couple of weeks ago? What did you make of that? you oh, was hilarious. <laughs>
2: because um, everything is its own little rivalry. It's it's perfect, you know? Um, like England, France, uh, New Zealand, Australia, which it was so funny to hear on the pool draw, like the gasps and laughs in the room when they were pulled into the same. And then us in Canada, which we've never been in the same pool together in the history of uh, the World Cup. So it's definitely going to be, like everywhere is its own little rivalry. Um, but we are excited because I think, you know, we could really do well in our pool we could top our pool we we have our sights set on doing the best we can against Canada we still have two the two other teams to figure out who they're going to be yeah. um but you know the team is excited like we are like all right like we got fourth last time like let's do better when we can and there's a- absolutely a path for us to do that
1: and I know like COVID's messing with everybody's preparations at the moment but I know recently at the Stars and Stripes um and how, so tell us a little bit about your preparation, how it's going, what maybe is coming up, and then we'll come into maybe how that Stars and Stripes was also funded as well.
2: Yeah. Um, so the Stars and Stripes was sort of like the culminating event um, from all of our fall, um, what we call DTEs, daily training environments. I'm not sure who named it that, probably Rob. Um, and we also had a few mini camps with uh, like foot one for forwards, one for backs, and the camp was... Uh, Two weeks just because of the quarantine we needed to be under and it was honestly like just so incredible to see the girls have a run um that was the only national 15s event men or women's for the entire year like we haven't you know covid hit so early that we weren't even able to get the games in in march or may or any of that so it was absolutely incredible to see um, the girls ever run out there. Uh, unfortunately, because of my many day jobs, I wasn't able to attend. Um, but it was, you know, just so awesome to see. Like the team had put in so much work, and they were trying new things. Like we had people that weren't necessarily confident in their skills beforehand, like say kicking, you know, kicking out of hand, kicking off the base. Like it was just, you know, everyone was having so much fun, and it's what the team needs. Like the, I don't think we. America lacks from any sort of shortage of athletes. It's just the confidence we need in on the rugby field to turn it into results. That's, and that's what these camps are really doing a good job at.
1: Yeah. I think like how we've always described like playing against America, like, Oh my God, they're absolute athletes. They don't stop running at you. They're really physical. They're really strong. But then we're always like, but they don't have much rugby experience. So we'll get that at the end. So it's great to know that now you're having that time together to actually add on top of the athleticism that every single player has, have that rugby now and that rugby ability. And yeah, pretty decent coach to come in, obviously, to help you with that. He's been very successful over in England. And yeah, 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 so it's it's quite exciting to see where the squad can get to without having that time i know it's a short time but obviously a lot more time going into the world cup preparation but to to sharpen up on the rugby side of things is going to be something that's really exciting to to see because i think canada are also similar in that space so the fact that you two are going to go head to head after having time together and developing more is going to be exciting
2: oh yeah yeah and i think like we are as americans we are very very aware that we are the athletic team like um, I love telling the story that I went on holiday after the last World Cup <clears throat> with my teammate and Captain Tiff, who grew up in New Zealand. So a few of the Kiwi girls went with us and we were talking about our preparations, and whatnot. And I was telling them that like we talked about talking about our Bronco times. This is what rugby players talk about. And um, I was like, yeah, uh, like our standard was like heading 2017 was that our forwards were told essentially like you need to be in the 520 range for your Bronco. Um and I told them like yeah like uh I was in the I got I think my best time in that cycle was five twenty four. And I was talking to people of my same position, so like second rows, and they like literally could not believe that a second row got a 524, which isn't even like a crazy time. But they were like, yeah, like I mean our forwards are lucky if we get under six, you know? And I'm like, okay, so clearly you can win a World Cup without having a sub-520 Bronco time. And I think that this new coaching staff has really, like, you know, we're, we're still getting tested, still getting monitored and all that. But it's not a deciding factor, I feel like, because we're, we're like, you know, we know we're going to be athletic, but does it translate? Rob asking, does it translate? And I'm like, oh, God, yes, I want it to translate, you know? So, like, yeah, you're fast, yeah, you're strong, but can you catch pass? Can you, you know, do a complete a two on one? Like those are the things he's more looking at than if you are athletic. Which is, exactly. good,
1: yeah. I think some coaches in the past have gone, "Oh, I'm going to make my team athletes," and they forget the rugby side of it. And then you have these yeah. great players that can play probably for twenty minutes, give an opposition like a real, like hard start. But then when fatigue comes in, and, and the rugby side of it comes in, the thinking and the tactical and, ta- and technical side of things. So I think that's incredible how it's not focusing on, oh, I can make this athlete a better athlete. I'm going to make her... She's going to continue being a good athlete she's got that foundation, but now we're going to make them better rugby players. And that is quite scary. We were talking about USA being this big sleeping giant, think, but that's why it is quite scary, because the amount of athleticism that you'll possess, you possess, know, the fact that you're running 520 Broncos, and that's your pack and then you add on rugby ability like that that's quite a dangerous place to put them yeah but
2: opposition obviously not for you yeah yeah I mean we're obviously very excited to put the I guess the the athleticism plus the rugby knowledge together in in the next year because it it's it's time like we need we need to be the athletes that are good at rugby not just the athletes that showed up to play with this oval ball and see you know, see how it would
0: go. You speak confidently and, and rightly so about topping the pool of the World Cup there and, and have, what have you. You live in a massive country. Pulling your players to, together is a challenge in itself. I know, having spoken to Rob, that yeah, he's clocking up some, some decent air miles, um, getting around and seeing people. But with the COVID restrictions, how... Is that a concern, a, a worry that, you know, that we're, we're what, just over 10 months now to a World Cup? Is that a concern, that actual time together to get that rugby detail that we, you and Berth have spoken about uh, added on to, to the athleticism?
2: Yeah, that, I mean, thousand percent. Like, And even before COVID, it was sort of a something to be worked around how big America is. Like, I'm not sure, like, how many hours it takes to get from like north to south in England, but I would imagine not that much. Half right? an hour. I mean, a couple of-
0: 35 yeah. minutes.
2: Half an hour, It's all you need. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's always been a hurdle for us. So we've had to do a lot of regional camps. So, I live in the Northeast or what we call New England. I'm not sure if that's like a, a an okay thing to say. Um, <laughs> but New England and so yeah, we've had a lot of regional um, camps up there in the last year. Uh, same thing with, you know, the Midwest, South, all these different regions and oh, we've really leaned on the rugby hubs in those areas. But I think Our management going forward, uh, especially with the COVID restrictions, will want us to be in bubbles as much as we can going forward, so I know they're reworking our schedule to maybe um, have more of the DTEs, the daily training environments, um, in the spring, because I don't know, I mean, obviously we're all very optimistic about a vaccine, but there still going to need to be precautions taken, so I think we might be back um, in camp, possibly in Denver, possibly in San Diego, depending on um, where they have us assembled. But yeah, it's definitely it's 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 hard being in the States because I'll have teammates that I'm playing next to an international test that I haven't seen in a year, um, so heading kind of into camp. So it's always always a challenge, but that's not anything that is new for us.
0: You've been with the Barbarians, got Kate Zachary uh, at Chief. How? How important is it to, to USA for, for you guys? Well, number one, how much fun was the Barbarians? Number two, um, how important is it and how much do you bring back when, when you go to those different environments? I'm not going to say more professional, but but you actually see that, you know, Kate's in that, in that environment every single day, what she brings back, what you bring back from Barbarians. How much does that add to the US Eagles?
2: I think it adds a massive amount. So, like, in terms of the Barbarians, I'll speak to my experience, that was one of the best tours I have ever been on. Um, And it was only a week long. Um, uh, My teammate Ashley and I and uh, Brianna Miller from Canada came a day late because we were playing against each other um, for Can-Ams last year. And it was almost as if we didn't miss a beat. Like everyone was just so welcoming, so open, so happy to be there. Just felt like just so grateful that it was just like some days I wake up wishing I can like, drink that experience every day, like take a sip of the feeling I felt when I walked into the stadium um, in Wales. And uh, it was just just those moments were so incredible. But I think the biggest thing to bring back from those experience is the culture that obviously, you know, everyone wants to play as much as they can. But how are you helping people that are around you? How are you learning from them? How are you giving feedback? And these are complete strangers, right? So massive culture aspect. But I think um you know all my teammates that are uh, that are abroad right now, um, like Christine with the Queens, um, Janine and Kate, uh and Gabby, uh with Exeter, they are yeah. just learning again, so much confidence, so much so many of the things that coaches don't have time to teach in America. Like we teach you know, coaches here teach very to the law or to their own experience where I feel like Um, When you hop across the pond, it's a bit more about you can learn more of the cheeky stuff that we have usually played against us Um, and those things that can help you work a bit smarter as opposed to working harder um, could really turn a game around because, you know. 80 minutes can be a long time. And when, if a game is close, then it's really going to be who's the most experienced, who has, who has had the most touches, um, who's had the most reps under their belt. And obviously, it's just massively important that you guys are actually playing over there as opposed to here, where it's a lot of gym time, solo training. You know, when, when you are uh, in a group, you're masked in distance, so it's you, you're a bit limited. And so I think the four of them being over there is absolutely incredible. Like, it's going to make a massive difference. And even seeing teammates like Christine go over to the Quins before, like how she came back, it was a slightly different player in the sense that like uh, just a bit more of bit more cheek in there, um, a bit more aggression, um, more direction, more drive. I think things that they might not even see from day to day, but over a few weeks' time span makes just like a world of difference in, in bringing that back to the States.
1: Well, if you ever want to come over... You let me know first, all right? Okay. Quite a serious question is, obviously, USA Rugby is not funded to where you would want it to be. A lot of it has been pay-to-play for a very long time. And yourself and Christine set up the XV Foundation. Can you give us um, – tell us about it, tell our viewers about it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so about a year ago, um, when we were in camp uh, for Can-Ams, our manager came to talk to us and was just like, hey, guys, it it looks grim for next year. Um, And a lot of that came from what you could call overspending, you could call it under-budgeting, whatever it is, from uh, the Men's World Cup uh, a year ago. And, you know, we were told that um, the funding didn't look great, the union was going to be in some serious trouble, and, um, you know, of course, when things get tough, I think women understand that our programs tend to get cut first or you know or more severely than others so christina and i ended up having um a chat and we were just like no like we're not like we were already pay to play for a lot of our assemblies um especially uh for test masters not so much but um for camps we obviously be paying our flight our accommodations all that stuff so it it couldn't get worse and you know we were not going to allow it to get worse especially considering that I, like how many players are we already missing out on because they can't afford to play for their national team which should never be a hurdle that they should have to bear in the first place so we put our heads together we're like okay we can start a foundation um, we're gonna do this we want to call it the 15s foundation or XV people really take it whichever way they want um, and we're going to raise I think our, our goal for this year was 350 and that was before everything was canceled um, and People were like, well, you know, do people really want to give to women like aren't you guys asking for too much? And we're like, no, stop. (laughs) That's ridiculous and offensive. So um, we set our goals on the 350, Um, even without playing any um, internationals or uh, uh, larger appearances. We raised almost two hundred thousand dollars this year. Um, So we're very proud of that. And for next year, our goals are set on 400000 so we can get um, the pay, the players uh, paid, accommodation handled, everything that, you know, you, the players should have uh, for as we head into a World Cup. Because without that, there's no way that we'll be able to retain the players that we need. And the support we've received has been absolutely incredible. Um, we've had, you know, some players like Pedro Knight just saying like, hey, I'm going to give you $15,000 for a match. And we're like pardon what? Like, excuse me. And she was just happy to give it. Um, We've had uh, owners of all of our MLR teams, our major league rugby teams are, we're just happy to support our virtual event. And I think in the beginning it it can be very easy to say like, well, like, you know, I hope we get it, but you know, I can understand people don't want to give to us, but now we're like, no people want to give to us. People want to support women's rugby. And it's not as if it's only women either. It's most of our donors are men. And so people just want to support good rugby. Um, so it's been an absolutely incredible year. We know we're going to even have a better year next year. And, like, really, the sky is the limit. Because once you just put it out there in the universe, it's it's going to come back to you. And that's what we're really hoping for next year.
0: It's... it's In in one way, it is a brilliant, brilliant tale. And absolute hats off to you. Kudos to you, Christine. Uh, Summer, um, uh, amazing that... Um, you've 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 put that together and fantastic it have been so well received but the other part of it for me is why on earth are you having to do that um you know pay to play for your own country it's, it's just yeah. You know, we're coming up to 2021 it's 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 bonkers um it's absolute bonkers but look um let's 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 kind of end, end, end with a positive fair play to you um look if there's anything we can push you know this way, I know we we um we, we spoke about it when you launched and what have you in the events we we put on the pod. But please please stay in touch. If there's any way we can push push anything this side of the pod for you, then, then please let us know. Because um, yeah, uh, fair play to you to, to have America funded by by themselves and and uh, inspirational women like yourself is is absolutely fantastic. So please please make sure you do that for us.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think uh, I mean anyone in the states, xvfoundation.com, com. Anyone um. Uh, Across the pond, uh, the Atlas Foundation has a fund for us that goes to the 15th Foundation. So I I know with the the addresses, it can be hard to put in um, the UK addresses, but Atlas Foundation figured that out for us. So they have an excellent fund that will um, siphon to the women's program.
0: I mean, I'm saying this, we'll put them on our socials this week. I mean, I, 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 I... Alicia, I sent carrier pigeons and I use a quill and ink, so I've got no idea about the socials, but there's much younger, prettier people in the world who do that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, we'll look.
2: We'll
0: over <laughs> we'll there. We'll look to put those on, on our socials. But, look, thank you so much for. Uh, we'll we'll wrap it up there because uh, well, you, you need to go out to the, your surfboard and the beach, apart from anything. <laughs> uh, and it's getting late here. But, no, really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, we'll we'll. Track, track your preparations towards the World Cup with with great interest, and uh, who knows? Hopefully, we'll, we'll we'll see you over in uh, in New Zealand.
2: Awesome! Thank you so much. It's been incredible. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, great thank stuff. You. Thank, thank you, you so me. much.
0: Great to have Alicia a on the pod and, and hear about rugby over there, because it's, yeah, it's a, it's an area that the game you know well, and we know it's a sleeping giant, but it is. Covid aside, uh, uh, I mean, I say that. You know, and I understand the seriousness of it and the, the the financial constraints of it. But for the players to be having to raise money to so they don't have to pay to play at international level rugby, we are as I said in the interviews, that's really dark. But but brilliant she's doing it, and brilliant that the response she's had.
1: Yeah, it's an incredible foundation that they've set up, and they've just decided that you know for so often you complain about stuff and you moan about stuff, and they've gone, do you know what, we're going to stop complaining and just do something about it. Um, and I think, you know, rightly or wrongly, whether it should be the players having to arrange something like this to get it going, yeah, for them, I think it's incredible that they've set it up and, and that it's happening. And hopefully, you know, this will lead into eventually them not having to do that. And the other side of it is that you're going to have some players now who are like really understand the administrative side of things as well and where they could then take that and use that um, later down the line.
0: Yeah, agreed. I had yeah, a point a lot not thought about, actually. But um, great energy to her. Uh, really, really fun, lively chat. And, uh, yeah, what a character. And, yeah, she uh, hopefully we'll uh, see her out in New Zealand come next year. But we'll keep an eye on on, on events over there. So, yeah, we heard from Canada last week, USA this week. Seems appropriate. We round you up with all the international news. Hi, I'm Bill Burman, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby
2: Podcast.
1: From New Zealand, Bolt took the Red Bull Ignite Sevens title. Ruby Tui and Stacy Flouler's side took on Portia Woodman and Kelly Brazier's surge team in the final, winning twenty one seven. Unbelievable event.
0: Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Looked really, really good on telly, bright sunshine, bright coloured shirts. Yeah, what what a what a cracking event. There's there's an idea. Have you got a number for Red Bull? Let's go, let's get it let's get it here. Anyway, uh, Hong Kong, nothing from there. They've had to tighten their restrictions and therefore all rugby has been suspended, unfortunately.
1: And remember last week we told you that Spain were playing some rugby after an 11-month gap due to their European Championship being completely cancelled. Spain beat a Spanish League 15-59-0 in Villa Joy Oise.
0: Indeed, so staying in Spain and their press are reporting, and thanks to, to Scrum Queens for the, the heads up on this one, Uh, And I quote, well, rugby, at the request of Ireland, has changed the women's European playoff. And now all will be played in Ireland. Clearly, Spain very unhappy about this news. In the previous format, Spain had two home games and Ireland had two away. The report goes on to say that the qualifiers like to be played straight after the Six Nations. or maybe a knockout instead of a round robin. Further claims suggest Spain were not represented at the meetings where the decisions were made. Whereas Ireland were. Claims made by the Spanish press, uh, but doesn't sound or look good if this is the case. We'll keep you up to date with all that news uh, when it becomes clear. And in the Prem 15s, a couple of games, unfortunately, uh, have gone down, postponed. But uh, those those block weekends, those uh, saver weekends have been put in the uh, the calendar, so no panic stations at all. But yeah, the uh, saracens extra game... Uh, and the DMP Durham Shark against Sale game were both postponed. And your game this week as well is postponed, is it not, Uh, Berth, you and and Saracens?
1: Yeah, that game's going to be rearranged for the 2nd of January, so great way to start the new year. Um, Yeah, pretty excited because obviously we're going to have fans back and hopefully, you know, there's going to be a lot of people hopefully around that weekend to come and watch.
0: Yeah, good sales pitch. Absolutely. The, the, the Saracens Exeter game postponed to the thirtieth of January just to uh, to mark your card on that one but let's get to the games that uh, that did go ahead sixty one seventeen uh you beat Bristol
1: yeah it a really it was a really tough game like I know that the score line can suggest that it wasn't, but you know at half time we were pretty disappointed with how we'd been playing and um, we missed a lot of opportunities we weren't very defending very well um but we did manage to turn it around and I think if you if anybody's seen the highlights and seen the couple of tries that they did score so if you give them an opportunity they would absolutely take it and that's how they got those tries because we kind of sat off and we allowed them to play and we watched and you know Jasmine Joyce was unbelievable like she literally runs from one corner of the pitch to the other side of the pitch and manages to score. And, you know, you can't let somebody like that get the hands on their ball. And so credit to them, you know, a few errors from them, which then led us to getting into their 22 and then coming away with points. It was kind of the, the story of the afternoon by the end of it. And uh, speaking to Kim Oliver, you know, she's, she was proud of of their players and just said, you know, for 70 minutes, 60 minutes. So we were in that and, and that's the thing, and that's probably the difference with some sides now is, like, you know, it's not being won in the first 10, 20 minutes. It's taking the last 10 to 15 minutes to put sides away. Um, so all credit to Bristol, really tough game. You know, obviously they're missing a few players as well, as were. We, we had quite a few changes on the day as well. Um, so we're really proud to, to keep the record at the Stoop as well, to win in ways, which is really, really, um, you know, something that we wanted to do, finish the year at the Stoop on a high um, and yeah, so really proud
0: of the girls. But yeah, it was a good fight against Bristol. Yeah, and, and, and I'm finding that I'm oh, just going to make a, a point about Bristol. It seems they a, and a, a, other sides are putting it together for a certain amount of time. whether that be yeah, 40 minutes, 60 minutes? Yeah, but not for the for the full 80. And you, that's and, and I'll turn that out. That's a compliment to to the league. The fact that you've got to now play for 80, and, and if you or sorry. You've got to now play for 70. Unless you do, sides sides will put you away and, and sides will, will 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 score points. Um, saying that, I actually thought it was the most complete performance from what from what I've seen from, from Wasp beating Loughborough 21-10. Um, they played really, really well. And they played for, for the full game. And there's lots of players back. With international call-ups or, or injuries, they've, they've still got a, a couple of injuries. But... Um, no, it was a really complete performance and a and a very good performance up front. We have spoken a lot about their backs, but uh, up front. Thought they were very impressive and um, that's a that's a that's a bit of a sort of ooh sit up and notice result, isn't
1: it? Yeah, well I think it was you that mentioned, you know, they haven't lost to them since what, twenty seventeen? And beat them, sorry. Since twenty seventeen. And yeah, look and that's always been that battle between third and fourth. Um, you know, we've had to play off against Wasps in the semi-final and against Loughborough. So that that competition there has always been, you know, a real strong rivalry between the two. And, you know, Wasps, we've seen improving week on week. They've had moments as of absolute brilliance. And the fact that they now, as you've mentioned, they they put that together for the full 70 Um but like a lot of that will come down from those international players that they've got, you know, from the seven scenes being in you know, high pressure situations and learning from that and bringing it into, into the Wasp game. And I think we, we were all very aware of how much talent Wasps have been signing over the summer And all of us were kind of like, yeah, but they're Sevens players. Are they going to be able to fit in? And, you know, come round seven, you can see that they're very seamlessly in the fold now and and making a huge impact on the league. And I know that Giselle's going to be so delighted with that result. Um, But also more for like just the confidence boost and the belief that they can actually do it.
0: Title one down at Worcester, they went down 7.15 to Gloucester-Hartbury.
1: Yeah, I'm quite surprised at this result. I thought I've... Having played Gloucester a couple of weeks ago, they are very good at getting on the front foot and having the likes of Natasha Hartmo directing her troops and you know giving a little bit of lip to the referee. They they often stay on top of the game a lot of the time. If I say little, I mean a lot. Um, She's a
0: scrum half. That's yeah. <laughs> what they do.
1: Um, so I yeah I expected probably Gloucester to to come out of a bit of a stronger result just because on the back of. You know, Worcester have been in a bit of a tough place, um, so I didn't I didn't expect Worcester to win that game, but I I did expect Gloucester to put a few more tries away. So fair play to Worcester looks like they've they've managed and turned a few things around, they managed to correct three things up, which, you know, makes us all at Quinn's, you know, sit up a little bit more to see that result be so close when we played Gloucester and we know how tight it was for us against Gloucester. You know, all these things have a psychological effect on, on on all, all other teams as well so obviously we're not playing this weekend but looking at that game in a week's time we'll be we'll be looking forward to it
0: absolutely well let's uh, hear from beth blacklock now the dmp durham sharks player hear about her club and what she's made of the premier 15 so far this season
2: i'm donna kennedy and you're listening to the women's rugby pod
0: Absolutely delighted to have Beth Blacklock on the WRP from DMP Durham Sharks. About time we uh, we checked in with uh, those up north. Uh, Beth, how are you? Everything okay after the weekend's announcement?
3: Hi, yeah. Um, everything's fine up north. It's uh, cold, some people in isolation, um, but everybody's working through to get out the other side of it. Uh, the whole country's got it really, so... It's
0: not anything specific for us. We've just got to try and try and get through it to the next game. Yeah, absolutely. I was due to due to come up and and commentate at the game. It was a, a, a real shame actually because uh, it would have been really really good to don't only see you guys get back up to you know, the Darlington Arena. I know we're going to be slightly careful. We'll be. Darlington Arena, Northern Echo Arena. Um, yeah. And, and see you guys against Sale would have been a win a really really good uh, physical tussle. Give us your assessment of the the start of the season. So far,
3: Yeah, it was a shame to not have this game this week because uh, it, it would have been good to have some more contesting for the ball and things because, as you, you can see from the scorelines, the season so far it hasn't um, been the best season for DMP Durham Sharks. Um, but the biggest thing is that we're looking into it as a three-year campaign. So, at the moment, it's been going from game to game to try and improve certain things and try and build on a team that we've got, which is quite young. So the start of the season has been quite a hard one in terms of the actual games themselves, but quite big in terms of getting getting those acute and uh, core things worked on going from game to game. So
1: Beth, you mentioned it's a three-year process. What does, at the end of year one, what does success look like for you and the rest of the squad then?
3: Um, so I think success has been something that we've had to try and put a name on it of what it represents for us as DMP Durham Sharks. Um, But I think the biggest thing is going to be making sure that we see that improvement from that very first game to the last game. Um, So it's hard to see it from week by week with the the different teams that we play. So I think at the end of the season, it's coming up and looking at the difference of the first match we played against one team to the second match that we played against that team Um, and trying to build as I said, it's quite a young team
0: trying to build that first year platform to build on for the second, third year. You obviously played the, the first game against uh, Harlequins. Perhaps we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. And you know, on the uh, on on the front of it, and you know, your wash result and Saracens, you know, those are really big scores. But when we when we spoke about your results against uh, Loughborough in the last round, and you can see the fifty seven points, but we actually thought, Do you know, what, that, that's that's you're completely and utterly on, on, on the right track. And actually, if you, you watch the games and watch the the footage, actually there are improvements week on week on week on week. And is that is that the basis of how you're building?
3: Um, yeah, hugely. I mean, looking at the the Loughborough game in comparison to, for example, the two weeks prior when we played against Wasps, you saw them this weekend. They were quite very close teams um, in their match. Um you could, you could see that those improvements have been in place and I think that one of the things that they've been building on in those two weeks is trying to work where we played on the field. Um, especially in the in the first game against Harlequins, you saw that we didn't necessarily play the field right and we played a lot of our game between our try line and I'm going to say the 10, but probably likely the 22. Um, and so one of those biggest things that we were working on was trying to make sure that we were playing in the right parts of the fields and I think that one of the biggest things that helped us with that was was limiting the scoreline because of where we were on the pitch. So when the teams were making those meters, they weren't doing it on our try line, which I think was the the biggest thing that we built in over those few weeks.
0: So good to have you back in the back in the saddle then in terms of kicking, because I know you you missed a little bit of play as well. I know in preparing for the game, people were were saying what a what a loss you were with 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 that boot, but with with such such a young squad and. You know, again, we we said at the beginning of the season, it's almost like you've cut your losses, cut 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 aside some bits and pieces and then kind of started a fresh new coach and all all, all the rest of it. How, how how tricky, and is this the biggest part of, of you as a, a senior figure in uh, DMP, Durham Sharks, yes, very well media trained you, is looking after those youngsters and mentioning those youngsters because it, it can't be easy shipping 100-odd points, you know, in, in quite a few games. Is is that a massive part of, of uh, your season so far?
3: Yeah I mean there, there's a few points in that like he, we've started again pretty much in terms of whole new management team a lot of really new fresh players coming in um, and so you can see there's a the high turnover of those players um, and so one of the biggest things that we've had to start off is trying to build in you've got that senior player leadership team um, but then trying to build in those youngsters to try and get involved is it was hard with COVID at the start because it limited that preseason that you could have um, in terms of making sure you had that that team cohesion. But it's, it's something that we've done well, and it's one of those things that actually you can see that we've done well in the fact that we do rebound coming back from those games in such a high score line. Um, it's something that we found to be be quite um, important with D M P Durham Sharks, um, and so I think that's something that we've built in well is making sure that those young players do see the positives from the game that we get, understand what we're using as our success criteria. So as as I answered earlier, at the end of the season, it's not necessarily going from game to game, expecting us to have made the changes in a week to win the next game by 50 points or anything. It's going from one game to the next to then see those points that we have changed and see those things that we have changed. So even though we are coming out of a scoreline that might not necessarily be one that we like, um, we are making sure that that scoreline is changing each week and the play that we're doing on the field is changing each week. Um, and that's the best way to make sure that the young girls are coming out of the game and actually thinking, do you know what, I did what I was told to do this week, so I'm happy with that game, even though the scoreline doesn't necessarily reflect that we've,
1: we've played that. And we always talk about like the battle of the top of the league and the bottom of the league. Is there some target games that you're going after this year?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, from your last pod, um, it was it was said that we might have been targeting the, the other Sharks team. Um, <laughs> it, it was a game that we were looking forward to playing because, again, it would have been one of those games that we could actually practice playing in our formation with having some, some go ball and having some ball and attack. Um, so that was a game that we were definitely looking forward to having and trying to put our all into. Um, again, Sharks have been playing really, really well and their defence has been fantastic. So it would have been a game to practice our attack against a team that had a fantastic defence. Um, but you could see those improvements in more of a controlled way that that we might have actually had a bit more say in what we were doing, which I think is the, the biggest thing we would have taken from that game.
0: Good to know you're a long-time listener, first-time caller. As you're quite rightly saying, the, the DMP Durham Sharks bit, I, explain explain why why the change of the name um, for those those who don't know out there?
3: Yeah, so before it was just DMP sharks, but um, when the new licences went up for renewal, um, Durham University put in a big stake with DMP to make a merger partnership. So we've got a lot of use with the facilities, the staff and all the different resources that we can use with Durham University. And I think that it's going to provide um, a lot better uh, a platform for us going forward in this next year three-year thing. I think Durham University are... Uh, very much trying to rival Loughborough as always <laughs> um, and are trying to come up now and get a, a team in the premiership too um, so they backed us going into this this next year three-year campaign.
0: Geographically how important is it to, to have women's rugby up there as a uh, as a beacon?
3: Uh, I mean it's huge so going into the licences there there were two big northern teams so it was Newcastle Falcons and DMP Durham Sharks and I think it was unquestioned that one of them would get it because they're the most Northern team. They're the way to bridge Scottish rugby into English rugby, um, which is huge because it brings up England's national rugby as well as Scotland's national rugby because they can play in the Premiership, which is a fantastic, fantastic platform for women's rugby. Um, But it's huge just in terms of the fact that there are lots of um, clubs that are maybe in the Championship and the League below and things up North, that we need to have that one core club that is higher in the women's premiership to make sure that it's high quality all around the whole country
0: we keep saying it and uh, we, we may be frivolous at times on this pod but uh, it's all ever ever meant in, in jest but we, we've quite strongly said that you, you, you can't judge uh, DMP sorry I can't I'm not going to do the whole thing every time that you, you can't judge them now you, it's judging them you know, this time in two years time um, you know two and a half seasons in three seasons in we where would you like to see your club, your your side, in three years' time?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're kind of the club who, who wear the badge of don't judge the game by the scoreline, aren't we? Um, but across the three years, you saw it the last three years when DMP went from being one of the bottom teams to really challenging for that fifth, sixth position last year. I mean, annoyingly, it was stopped because of COVID. Um, but we hope to see the same changes over the next three years um the management team who've come in um are really experienced know what they're doing know what they're aiming for and it's just this first year it's always that year where you're trying to put in those foundations Um, but across the next two years you really want to see that professional um, setup start to to begin and to be really founded there and then have those players seeing that it's a setup to come and move to and trying to build the fact that the Northern team, we can bring it. And so the second year, the third year, seeing us move up the table. um, And again, with Durham University, you want to kind of try and make sure that we rival um, the same setup that Loughborough has really, um, where you've got the the university and the premiership club working together to try and build that elite sport hub. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing that I want to see, the fact that we do build that elite hub, um, but also we do start moving up that table and start being teams that someone looks at and goes you know what this is going to be a really hard game to play
0: this weekend's game do, do we know Gloucester away? Do, do we know anything about that yet has anything been, been uh, nothing officially announced but uh, you, you're obviously not, not, not going to play but the rest of the team
3: we've been told to go into this week as as if the game's going on and trading's on and things so I think we'll find out close to the, close to the time but um, at the moment acting as if the game's on and it's a, a good game to go and play
0: yeah absolutely and you'll get down there and take the W will you <laughs>
3: Always aim for it,
0: always aim for it. Always aim for it. There you are, there's a prediction on, the, on, on that scoreline. It's been really, really nice to speak to you. Nice to get a, a little insight into to what's going on up there and perhaps sort of later on in the season or, or early next season we'll we'll catch back up with you. But um, I know yeah, you've been hugely impressive for, for, the, for the team and um, someone they can hang their hat around, as it were. So, yeah, keep doing what you're doing and um, we'll look on an interest um, to, to see the results improve more and more as the season goes on. OK, thank you.
3: Thank you very much for having me. This
0: is the Women's Rugby Pod. Well, let's uh, look ahead to this weekend then and the uh, Premier 15's fixtures. As ever, Birth, I'd like a little uh, prediction from you, please. Quint against Saracen, as we know, is postponed to the 2nd of January. Bristol Worcester. Ooh, Bristol Worcester. Ooh, Bristol Worcester.
1: Yeah, having played Bristol, I think, and not Worcester yet, I will probably say that Bristol will just be potentially too strong for them. Their Welsh um, players were so difficult to play against at the weekend, as always, just that Welsh in them.
2: Yeah,
0: going back to that game, you you played against uh, Gloucester. Uh, the Welsh contingent then were were very, very strong with the new coaching set up. Things are looking up for the uh, for the Welsh. You don't like playing I against the Welsh, do you?
1: Oh, no, I love playing against
0: the Welsh. Toughening your feast, are they? Well, it,
1: sometimes, yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah, I love playing against the Welsh. I love beating the Welsh. Nice.
0: never lost to the Welsh, so... Good. <laughs> there you are. me for uh, birth's address. Anyway, Gloucester-Hartbury <laughs> against DMP Durham Sharks. You're fingers crossed, obviously.
1: I can't look past Gloucester-Hartbury. Uh, you know, DMP, they're just not... Competitive enough yet um, to push push sides at the moment.
0: Yeah, and having do, done the sort of research leading up to going to stream that game, um, yeah, the, the the territory is a is a big thing for them. Without Beth Blacklock and her boot, they do find it difficult to to get to relieve pressure uh, in terms of territory. So, uh, yeah, shame she won't, she won't be involved. Sale against Wasps. Ooh, it's gonna
1: be a tough one. Um, I want to say Sale. Yeah. Having played both sides, I think Sale a little bit more relentless in their defence. Um. Yeah, I'm going to go with Sale.
0: Sale home win. So all home wins at the moment. Loughborough against Exeter. How's uh, the bounce back ability?
1: I think it'll be pretty strong. I think... Loughborough will be very disappointed and fresh, come away with that game frustrated and sometimes that's the worst team to then face the following week. Obviously, to have a weekend off as well because um, their game was obviously postponed. Um, so I, I'm going to back Loughborough with that. I think they've got more experience um, within their side to, to close that game out.
0: So four home wins. Rachel Burford's predictions on a WRP. Uh, come on, with the bits and to shout outs news to let you know about Lisa Burgess or Bird as we know her friend of the pod the Gloucester Hartbury coach legendary Welsh test captain and barbarians coach has been elected as Welsh rugby union's vice chair Bird making more history in becoming the first vice chair after being the first elected board member a year ago
1: and a big shout out to Sarah Mitchelson at WASP's British army staff sergeant a mother a rugby player and an absolute
0: legend who has racked up 200 games for her club, Wasps. Yeah, huge chapeau to to Sarah. Jodie, honestly as well, nominated for the Deaf Sports Personality of the Year. Just take, as so I think you've uh, you put it on socials, we we both have uh, birth. Just take a couple of minutes, go to Jodie's social pages and give her a vote. Because, uh, yeah, what an inspirational young lady she is. She's someone she out get on the pod, hey? Good idea.
1: Good idea. So last night we had the World Rugby Virtual Awards and we saw Portia Woodman not only pick up Sevens Player of the Decade but also picking up the Try of the Decade that brilliant try against USA in the World Cup in 2017 and the Wa- Women's World Player of the Decade was Je- Jessie Choumoulier.
0: Trum-
1: Moulier. Moulier. Jessie Congratulations to all of you on picking up those awards. What an incredible award to pick up.
0: Indeedy so. Uh, they also did a team of the of the decade. We were asked to put one together for, for somebody asked me to put one together. Uh, and I put one together, Berth, for sort of a WRP one. I didn't put it out there because I had discussed it with you. But what would be your team of the decade, Rachel Burford?
1: literally put me on the spot.
0: Yep. Number one. You've had time to
1: think about
0: it. Number one. Rocky Clark. Lovely. Number two. See, it's easy. Fee. Fee Farmer Silly. Broken. See, it's easy. Yeah. Exactly the same as mine so far. Number three.
1: Taking him in.
0: That's who World Rugby had. Yeah. that's who I want. Great.
1: Apparently, she's the best scrammager in the world. That's she's the best what? What in the world.
0: Yeah, I get that. But she retired in 2014. She's played less than half the decade oh true anyway which is why we'll go on to some other ones as well I had Sarah Byrne. anyway uh, second row
1: she's not playing she's played what three years so you can backtrack now if you want
0: <laughs> genuinely couldn't think of another three <sighs>
1: he's
0: looking to the future rather than the past go on then your second rows so world Rugby had Tamara Taylor and Eloise Blackwell Eloise Blackwell
1: yeah I'll stick with those two
0: okay I put NDI in the second row alongside Tamara Taylor. Oh, did you? Yeah, see what I've done there. Oh,
1: I know you picked
0: at eight. Um, <laughs> who's your back row? Linda. Linda. Atunu. Yeah. As well, same as well rugby. Seven. Margaret. And we played less than half a decade. Yeah,
1: but she... She turned women's rugby around in 2010.
0: I've got Claire Malloy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I Casey Robertson at six as well.
1: Oh, you can put Casey at eight.
0: You're gonna put Casey at eight.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So your back row is Linda Atunu, Maggie Alfonsi, and Casey Robertson. My, yeah. my was Robertson Malloy Hunter. Nine.
1: Kendra.
0: Check. Ten. KT. Check. Twelve
1: and thirteen. As well as Kelly Brazier, Emily Scarrett.
0: Yeah, same as that. No, I had... Uh... <laughs> Look, we're on Zoom call, gents and uh, ladies.
1: Hold on, I can't see you. Ah, Put me in there.
0: Rachel Burford, Emily Scarrett, I had. Because I know my life's not worth living. Your back three.
1: I really like the back three that's already been picked. If I'm honest,
0: which is Portia Woodman on one wing, Lydia Thompson and Nolly Woodsman at fifteen.
1: Yeah. The only one I might also put in there would be Cat Merchant, but they're they're quite similar players. Now I'm going to stick with Portia Woodman. Absolute game breaker, same as Lydia Thompson and Danielle Waterman
0: at fullback. Okay, I went Woodman, Waterman on the other wing. Oh, okay. And player of the decade, the 15, Jesse Tremoulier. At
1: fullback. Yeah. Okay, fair.
0: So, yeah, not too far off there. Not too far off. Nice. So, Rachel Burford's team of the decade is Rocky Clark, Farmer far Silly, Sophie Hemming, Tamara Taylor, Eloisa Blackwell. Linda Atunu, Maggie Alfonsi Casey Robertson Kendra Coxage and Katie Daly McLean a half back in the centres Kelly Brazier and Emily Scout, and a back three of Portia Woodman Lydia Thompson and Nolly Waterman Outstanding work Well that about wraps us up for, for this week, berth a huge huge thank you to Alicia Washington she was great value really really good fun Add to Blacklock as well we wish them all the best uh, in what is a yeah a three year plan but yeah really interesting to to get their thoughts on this week's pod and as ever we probably don't say enough thank you very much to you our listeners but please encourage you to share give us a subscribe rate us as well where do they do that so we're on all
1: socials Instagram Twitter at pod Women's Rugby. get in touch you can slide
0: into our dms or drop us a message or you can also email us at women's rugby pod at gmail.com lovely there we go yeah we the community corner which we tried to sort of set up and yeah being a bit of feedback that we didn't do touch with the, the community game but get in touch tell us your story uh, tell us uh, what's been going on at your club and we'll, we'll get you a shout up on the pod weekend off berth what are your plans
1: I've got my niece and nephews christening on Sunday, so it's going to be quite nice going into that, not hobbling after playing in
0: saris. Nice, oh, great stuff! Will you enjoy that? And we will see you next week.
1: Until next time.